Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on Park Hills, the sermons that we're preaching, the podcasts that we make, or the various things that we are doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. So, Pastor Mark, yes, I uh, noticed that your sermon on Sunday just sort of abruptly ended at 13. Oh, well, yes. I mean, I was preaching Exodus 6, and I did stop at 13. Yes, and I know that uh, we're jumping to 7 shortly after, so we're just not doing 14 through whatever? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing the flyover. I would, I would ask why? Why? Why are we? Well, why are we not preaching it? Well, let me read it to you, and uh, if I can, do tell. <laughs> let me read it to you, and 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 then maybe we'll we'll come to a conclusion here. Do you think our people will pip, pick up on it pretty quickly here as to why we're not going to preach this passage? That's assuming I don't get too tongue tied. Okay, the next then let's do it. Few verses here. Oh, tongue tied. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Exodus six verse fourteen. These are the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak, Palu, Hezra, Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shual, and the sons of the Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, Merari. I kind of like that. That's, That's a, a great cool, one. It's got a cool sound. Sounds like a really cool car. It does. But it's not. The years of the life of Levi being 137. The sons of Gershon, Libni, Shimei, by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron. Uziel, the years of the life of Kohath being 133. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generation. Amram took his wife Jacobed to be his father's, or Jacobed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. The years of the life of Amram being 137. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, Sithri. <laughs> you see my issue here. Aaron took as his wife Elishaba, the daughter of Abinadab, and the sister of Nehishon. And they bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, Ithamar, the sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abishaph. These are the clans of the Korites. Ezra, Aaron's son, took his wife, one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. And these are the heads of the father's house 
the Levites by their clans. I think I need a nap. <laughs> There's. <laughs> I'll just be honest. There's no part of me that wants to preach that. It just isn't. It's not helpful. And it, no, people freak out a little bit if you skip a passage in in the Bible, and then sometimes they read it and they come back to us. They're like, oh, I see. Yeah, and, and, I, and I like how you're making this sound like I chose to leave it out, but you were fully active in this. But, uh, you know, maybe let's talk about these genealogies a little bit. We don't want people to think we don't care about what Scripture says, that it all has its purpose. Uh, and really, uh, again, I totally agree they're hard to preach and they're hard to track with, uh, but they, they do matter, don't they? They matter to Israelites, so if you remember the beginning of this book, it just said a Levite married a Levite and had children. One of them was Moses. Remember, that was back in chapter 2. Sure. And we didn't know who they were. And now in chapter 6, we re-up and find out their genealogy, where they come from, their connection to Levi. And again, if people will remember, in the beginning of Exodus, I said the Levites matter in our mind, because we know that's the priesthood, but that doesn't matter yet. At this point, it's just a family. It's just a, it's one of the tribes of Israel. And so as you follow down Levi's, um, you know, genealogy here, and in the middle of that genealogy, you deal with uh, all the different clans that come out of him and the different priesthoods and the different priestly clans for you to be able to say, my, I am this person, son of this person, son of this person, son of this person. And then that, that last person is Levi, and then Israel. You're you just you have a leg to stand on, and so for them it's really important. For us, it we have a family name, right? Yeah. So Balmer in your case, Stukenberg in mine, and that has some type of bearing, which is what we have moved to. But back in the day, they didn't have those things. So for the ancient Near East, this is their way of just being able to really know who someone is and really of what stock they're from, if yes. I want to use a, a more crass description there. But it does matter to people, doesn't it? Because it, you know, it differentiates one who has the same name from the other, just like that, like we do in our culture. And, and knowing, you know, how often do we find someone's name and we go, oh, oh are you related to so-and-so? And, sure. and, and we're wanting to make those connections. And here um, in the ancient Near East, is, it's important to them, isn't it? Which, and you have that throughout the Bible. There's a number of characters that have the same name as another character. And what differentiates them is the name of their father, right? So Saul in in the New Testament is of the tribe of Benjamin, just like the King Saul of the Old Testament. They're both from the same tribe. But clearly the New Testament Saul is much later, and his father is Kish. And so you can say that that's his connection, whereas Saul... The king from the Old Testament is a different connection. So all of these genealogies matter in that regard. But then they also, one of the things they do is they transition a book from one thing to another. And so whereas we read them and we get bored, I remember people complaining when we hit, you know, Chronicles or, you know, yeah. when you hit numbers. When you're reading the things that are almost the same as what you read in Kings and yet. Totally. Know, and numbers. Yeah. yeah. And you're reading these genealogies and people are, I'm just so tired of the genealogies. I know that you're tired of them, but what's amazing is if you have an eye to see there's things to pick out. And so even in the genealogy you just read, and wonderfully done, by the way. Oh, well, I, thank I, you. I don't know why you wouldn't want to preach this passage. <laughs> I'm going to keep throwing it back at you, even though it, I did decide not to. The, the key is it. to slow down on those uh, tough words and just really, you know, sound them out as you read them. Yes. And, yeah, and they're Hebrew names, so they don't fit at all the way we would pronounce them or anything like that. It's just it's a little bit you know, insane in that regard. But you'll notice there's some names there that are 
kind of a big deal, or at least they will be later on the story. Nadab, Abihu, and, and Eleazar, uh, those individuals are going to have pretty significant re- responsibilities in the book of Leviticus, for example. And so when you get, you know, if, if someone were to finish Exodus and then go on and read Leviticus, those names pop back up and you go, oh, this is the connection, yep. right? We can trace them. Sure. You might have noticed that there's a, a man named Korah who happens to be of the priestly clan. Well, later on, there's going to be a ton of psalms written by yeah, the sons Korah. of Korah, yep. and that's the connection there. So if you were to to just dig a little bit and, and write down these names on a piece of paper, and then later on as you're reading in Scripture, if one of those names pops up, this would be your connecting point. Yeah, and that's as we find these genealogies in very places, various places, we can go. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, that sure. that tracks. That makes sense. Sure. Just like if if you're from another nation in in this time or another, you know, we would call them countries today. Your genealogy may make you a king, or it might make you in the you know in the clan of the kings. And so you're, you know, we we talk about this with Britain today. There are people who are X amount of seats away from the throne. If yeah. if the queen passes away, here's the next person in line. And then here's the next and the next and the next. And so the joke has always been made over movies and other places of how many people would this person need to assassinate to be able to move themselves into the throne. And those plots get uncovered by Sherlock Holmes and other people, sure. you know, in these movies. But but if you go back to this idea, this this genealogy is sort of doing that. It's saying, here's my, my foundation. Here's what I can say that I'm a Levite. And later on in the book, being a Levite is going to matter. And so we're going to do that. But this transition fits really well because the first five, six chapters has been Moses stepping up and doing this thing. And we're wondering, well, why does this matter? Most of these characters are going to matter much later in the story as the priesthood is established, as the tabernacle is built and moving through the countryside. And as the firstborn get transitioned into the Levites, that's a whole thing that happens in numbers. We'll talk about it way later in another podcast. And we already have talked about it briefly in another podcast weeks and weeks ago. You're going to say, okay, why do these people feel like they have a claim to do this? Well, this transition paragraph right here allows us to do it. The problem is it doesn't necessarily preach well. That's not to say that there isn't something that could be spoken of in it. Sure. But if you're a typical American coming to church, this suits us better probably to just talk about in the podcast as opposed to trying to figure out how to preach a sermon that goes through all the clans and the, and the people. Yeah, you mean you could highlight some of the things you did and just talk about, okay— so-and-so is going to show up again, so-and-so is going to show up again, but it, it really just becomes kind of a research section that helps us understand a little bit more. Right, and if you're preaching Exodus, you're not necessarily going to use this in that way because some of these names don't matter till Leviticus, Deuteronomy, or way later, and we're only preaching Exodus for this section of, of our sermon yeah. series. So it's not that this passage is meaningless or has no point, it's just if we're sticking with the structure and the plan of what we're trying to do as far as preaching goes, this doesn't fit uh, us teaching Exodus well. And you'll notice as well, we're going to do that at the very end of the book. We're going to leave out some of the distinctions of what makes the tabernacle a tabernacle because you can read it, but you don't necessarily need to preach it for it to be a thing. So sure, I'll yeah. stop there. So it transitions back here. Um, these are the Moses, or these are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, 
all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Now, now we, we covered this on Sunday, but he, uh, it's like they want to give these genealogists and say, Now, oh, now this is exactly. this is the Moses, and this is the Aaron we're talking about here. Yes. So clearly, verse 14 through 30 here is just a recap of what we've talked about already in the last couple chapters. And so if you think about it this way, if, if chapters 1 through 6 is sort of building the case, by now you know Moses is a major character. By now you know Aaron is a major character. So then they sort of just push pause quick and say, now here's the family delineation of these two. If they would have done this back in chapter 2, Exodus may not have had the same kick. That's yeah, sort of a, okay, yeah. So, right. so clearly the, the writers led by the Holy Spirit are setting this story up in such a way that we're able to look back at it and say, all right, I get it now. I see why Moses and Aaron are important. And then we get the genealogy. And then there's the recap of, and by the way, that genealogy is what sets up these two individuals. And these are the ones we're talking about. Yeah. These are the, you know, this is the family. This is who they belong to. They're the ones who talk to the Pharaoh. They're the ones who are the ones that heard from God and said, hey, I want you to go speak on my behalf. And they questioned whether they were capable because they have uncircumcised lips. And how will Pharaoh listen to me? Yeah, and God's God's wanting to affirm that these are these are the ones, and don't get this wrong. And and it makes it makes sense that this information would have been even more relevant in the in their day and age um, as these stories were being passed on. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I think what's what's so unique about the Book of Exodus, and part of why we called the series "Called Out and Welcomed In," is God is setting up Israel to be His. They've already been declared His way back when when Abraham said yes, and he followed in faith, and God provided the family that He promised He would through Abraham, even though Abraham's journey was wild and all over the place and shouldn't have gone the way it did. God was still faithful, still provided, still did what He said He was going to do, providing Abraham this this amazingly blessed family. Uh, through Isaac. But now that you move to this point in the story, God is just saying again, no, 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 no. I'm yours and you're mine. I'm making you mine. I'm calling you out from the position that you're in and I'm welcoming you into a unique relationship with me. That's going to be fully, for lack of a better term, you know, consummated in 19 and 20 of Exodus. And what he just said there is I'm going to bring the people out from the land of Egypt by their hosts which is a really unique phrase. It, it's just saying, and, and I want you to look for this in the weeks ahead, God is actually going to, uh, meaning Yahweh, is, is going to take on all sense of authority for Egypt. If, if people believe that Pharaoh is God, he's going to make sure that they understand Pharaoh has yeah. no power against him. Yeah. If you believe the sun is a God, watch me take it away from you. Oh, you believe the Nile is a God, watch me take that away from you. There's even a frog God, and it's, yeah. you just go, why are these plagues so weird and all over the place? Part of the reason is God's going to say, no, I'm going to show you who the Lord of hosts is. I'm the Lord of Lords. I'm the one you follow. Yeah. Really cool to, to think of just how, how God designed that there would be mm-hmm. the sequence of, of plagues. And we look at it and go, wow, how random, but it really wasn't that random. And, and what a great reminder that just of God is just, he knows what to do. And you know what? One other thing too, Chris, even as we look through, you know, a genealogy, what a cool thing that he chooses whom he chooses out of those lines of whatever family to do what he wants them to do. Or yeah. Ordinary people, but people who will be remembered because 
they trust that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. It's almost like trusting him. He'll actually do what he says he's going to do. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is. So there's a ton of things I know in both of our lives that, that speak to this idea of, I don't know about you, but there's been so many moments in my life where I just, I go, I'm from this family. I don't have much to offer here. I'm not really, you know, I, I've joked to people. I'm just a farm kid from a small town. That's all of that is totally true. The joke is God can use whoever he wants to use. Even yeah. a guy who's stammering in front of a burning bush saying, my lips aren't good at doing this. You don't want to use me, God. And God just sort of steps back and, no, I am going to do this, and I'm going to do this through you. Yeah, it's so fun to to then to realize this is God doing what he wants to do. And, you know, I've, I'm always quick to come up with all the reasons why God cannot or should not use me or, or um, you know, picking on myself in that in that regard. And yet, this is God we're talking about, and if I'm his, then he can do as he chooses and so often I get to watch and how cool is that can't say it better to myself and praise the Lord that he uses us even though we are less than what we think we are but with him all things are possible amen amen